Welcome to North and Goal. We're continuing the theme of theme music for each episode. And those of you who are into deep purple or who are old or who are just music brilliant geniuses will recognize that as smoke on the water because we are talking all about that smoke today. Jake and I are here for you and we want the smoke. My name is Benji. I am the smoke handler on Twitter, Ellis McPickle at Alaskutan. And I am north, I am in Alaska, and I'm here for the BYU Cougars. I'm Jake. I am Salt Lake Jake on Twitter. I changed my name I to Salt that. Lake Jake. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I'm the former mighty Alaskan Ute, hence the other part of the Alaskan connection of North and Goal. And I represent the Utes on Twitter. And uh, you say musical geniuses. The first person I thought of was our man Braden Shamo, because he's all about music, history, music. Yeah, all that. So he probably knew exactly. The second those first bars went in, he knew exactly what it meant. Shout out, Shamo. I was wondering, and and Braden, you're listening, I hope, but uh, let let us know, when you hear a song right off the bat, do you know if it's a good song or a bad song first listening, like first time through? Because I feel like I'm kind of a lazy music appreciator where if the radio makes me listen to it four or five times, I'll be like, yeah, that's a good song. I like that song. But I almost never like something right off the bat. It's funny you bring that up. Have you read the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell? I have not. The whole premise of the book is about people that are able to make split decisions based on just a tiny bit of information. And he talks about a music connection in there. There's an artist in New York named Kenna. And he's just a local artist, but everybody that goes and sees his shows loves the guy. His shows are always packed, but he can't sign a big record deal because I guess the way they do it, and I could be wrong, but I'm remembering from this book that I read a few years ago, is when, when people give sample tracks to record companies to sign them, they'll put them in and they'll give them like five to ten seconds. And if they don't like it, they'll pop out and just keep moving on until they find somebody. Really? Um, and so that's why some some people are popular because they're able to just get that that five or ten seconds and hook somebody. Whereas people like Kenna, he argues, are super artistic, super um, you know dedicated to their music, and it takes a lot of nuance, takes a lot of um, intimate relationships with the music, and people that take their time to know them like love this guy, but he can't get signed on with anybody. It's been years and years, and so he 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 his whole premise of his book is how some people can make split decisions and, and be correct. In like 10 seconds or less. You should read the book. It's a really good book. Yeah. Um, and it, it talks about music as one section of that. So, um, yeah. I, I don't even remember what the question was that got me on that tangent. But, yeah. Well, yeah. Is, is whether you can love a song right away or oh, whether yes. whether you're like me and have to hear it a few times and then you can decide, no, I don't like that song or yes, I think I do like that song. I would pay for a service of, like, we've got Spotify Premium and we've got Pandora Plus and all that. I would pay for a curated Spotify or Pandora. And what I mean by that is this. I work in an industry where I need to have music that's not offensive, no swear words, like that's the only criteria. That it has to have broad appeal because we have all kinds of different people in there. And then this is this is the kicker. Stuff that I won't get sick of because I'm here all day every day. That is that's the thing that nobody else can get me and and I wouldn't mind having a musical genius, genius such as Braden or somebody who says, okay, here's what you like, here's what has mass appeal, here's what's not going to swear, not be offensive, and here's an extra 10 new tracks a day you've never heard of, and you keep the ones you like, and, and this, that. I, I, I would pay money for that. Huh, interesting. That's, that's a, that, maybe that's a future, for, a future business idea for our man Braden Shamo. Yeah. But no, I mean, people, I think people can tell right off the bat if they'll know a song's good. I think they can, based on this book. Read the book. Report back to us. Good book. All right, I'll get to, it might take me a while, but I'll get there. I'm reading I'm reading two or three books at the same time right now. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, we're starting with smoke on the water. And uh, my only question for you is, do you want that smoke? Do I want the smoke? Do you want I'll the smoke? I'll tell you, I, wa- I, want, I want that smoke. I'll tell you else who is not afraid of that smoke. And those that don't know what we're talking about, it's impossible for you not to if you've been on Twitter. <laughs> A couple BYU TV guys went on the air and said, Utah won't play BYU because they are afraid of BYU. They're scared, and they don't want that smoke. And my response was, Get the crap out of here, man. <laughs> we have owned BYU for a decade in recruiting, on the field, and coaching. So if anybody wants that smoke, it's us. We want that smoke. <laughs> I'm going to maybe correct you, but I don't... I mean, I wasn't there, so who knows if I'm correcting you. There's nothing or to correct. I'm spewing false information myself here. Watching the clip and the where it started the the when I pushed play and what he was saying, and this wasn't the whole show, obviously, which is a show... On BYU for on BYU TV for BYU fans, so you, you get the angle they're coming from. But what he was saying is Tom Homo has been working his butt off. People don't appreciate that he has been working his butt off, and around the country, people don't want to play BYU. You know, he put that out there in general. Like people don't want. I believe don't want that smoke was out there first, and then he kind of backed into that and said, and that includes Utah. And so I'm assuming he's basing that on something. I don't think he's uh, speculating the way most of us on Twitter do, but, you know, I, I don't know. He's, he's a little closer to Tom. Uh, I would assume he's basing that on some reality there. Well, two things. One, he actually did utter the words, Utah doesn't want the smoke. So regardless of yes. talking broadly, he did mention Utah not wanting the smoke. And two, the fact is Utah's schedule hasn't, hasn't ever allowed for the opportunity to play BYU at all, and it first came out today that yes. it might have that chance. So I can guarantee you there's nobody connected enough to know immediately within an hour whether Utah, quote-unquote, wants that smoke, you know, because it's never even been on Utah's radar, the fact that we could possibly play at BYU. Today is the first time it was discussed. And so I, I'm, I'm going to say, no, I'm going to disagree with you there. I'm going to say they don't know Jack because these guys have done this before, <laughs> not on this specific topic, but they've thrown out inflammatory stuff about, oh, I remember a couple years ago, how they're just going to work Utah over because because Utah's a, Utah's a mess right now. I remember those words. Yeah, Utah's a mess right now was their words. So these guys have done this before. I, I'm not giving them enough credit to say they have an inside source that knew minutes after it was announced that Pac-12 could possibly have non-conference games that Utah wouldn't want BYU's smoke. Well, I would say, if you look back at the last decade, Anytime any rivalry game has been canceled or not rescheduled or whatever have you, it's 100% from Utah's side. BYU hasn't been backing out of any of those games. I mean, we've got, I can think of uh, Larry Kristoviak, you know, that's the probably the most infamous one, was when he opted out of the contract. And then you have uh, a couple of times when Kyle has, and you know, attributed to Kyle or the athletic director that's not there anymore. Either one, it's been from Utah's side 100% of the time. Now, that being said, BYU being an independent, of course they're not going to opt out. They need games. They're desperate for big games, so there's no incentive for them to opt out or want to back out. So I'd say that it's, it's plausible. It's plausible to say if, they, if the game's not going to happen, it's because of them, not because of us. Uh, secondly, I'd say I disagree. I think all year with the chaos and the unknown and everything happening, it's very likely that Tom Homo and, uh, and Mark Harlan have been in communication and there may be people on the inside track that say, nah, the game's not happening no matter what. Like, we just know. We know. Well, you, you say that as if that's happened. You say Utah's 
always been the case. The the time has happened twice. One was a pandemic, right? So let's let you know that's that nobody had any choice in that. Utah had to follow what the Pac-12 said. The other time, right, was right. I'm not, I'm not counting this here. I didn't. Michigan. I didn't mean this here. Yeah, the other time because we scheduled Michigan, and you're right. Chris Hill has said, and he's gone now. He said all along he wants an ABC non-conference schedule. He considers BYU an A game. Um, and so if, if, if we're playing a Michigan and BYU, that's two A games, and that goes against his philosophy. He's gone. Mark Harlan has proven that that's not his philosophy. He scheduled mm-hmm. Florida. He scheduled LSU. He scheduled Arkansas, all, you know, and also having BYU on some of those years too. So, right, so right. as far as Utah being scared, I think that's just a, a construct of the uh, BYU fans make themselves feel better, and I'm so, sticking to that. So that's the that's the part that I would say that's not based in reality. I would say that is their role as entertainers on a BYU uh, sports program is saying, yeah, they're scared because it's yeah, yeah the fans want to hear that, right? Of course, we're we're great, we're awesome. Utah, Utah is not scared. However, if the game doesn't happen, it's not BYU's fault. I, I would say if one team doesn't want to play and one team does want to play. I, very unlikely that BYU is saying we don't want to play. I mean, right now well, I think BYU I, I, does, I would, Utah doesn't. I would argue that because today on the radio they interviewed David Nixon on 1280 The Zone, and they uh, asked him, do you schedule an Oregon, a USC, a Utah? And he said, you know what? If we win out, we're pretty much guaranteed an NY6. We get all that money in the NY6 Bowl. So I wouldn't do it. He said he wouldn't do it because of the of the ch- opportunity you have what to lose. So I wouldn't be so fast there, my friend, and say BYU is not the one that that would love to do it. Maybe they look at this and, dude, it's just the fact of the 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 world, the way it is this year, and the way the schedule set up, and the way all these games are being canceled. If BYU wins their last two games, if they schedule nobody else, they're likely guaranteed an NY six game. And yeah. if there's total chaos. You never know. You could sneak into the the playoff, right? But at right. this point, it's like bottom bottom uh, worst case scenario. If if we just play these last two games, is an NY six game, you know? So right. maybe. Right. In fact, I've seen some fans, even our, our man Vaca Viti, you know, our man Vaca Viti, <laughs> yeah, yeah, our man, have years and years of arguing. He the even cavity. said, "No, too much risk." To play Utah, we don't want to do it. They don't bring enough reward, which is hilarious because I think that was partially tongue in cheek to go oh, back to what we've yeah. been saying. I laughed when time. I read it, but <laughs> I think there's people out there that truly feel that way. They're like, yeah. you know what? We feel like we're good enough to beat Utah this year, but what if Utah mentally owns us? What if Utah beats us? That will obliterate this perfect season. I think there's a lot of people out there that deep down feel that way. So when For you sure. say guarantee, if we don't play, it's Utah's fault. I say hell to the nah, man. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's go. Let's play. I want it. I, I have tweets like that all the time where I'm simultaneously joking and serious. But like it's like okay, the sentiment is real, but the way I'm saying it is laying it on a little thick, and I think that's what that was. Because yeah, I mean, word for word, we've heard Utah fans say that every year for year after year after year after year after year. So it's a recycled plot. I knew it was a recycled plot, and I laughed and I liked it. And then uh, go away, fix it too. I did a root canal for a couple hours or something like that. I come back, and everybody's like reacting to it as though they don't also recognize the recycled plot and and you know what it, it, he does have a point and and that logic it works you know it works for utah when utah's ranked in the top 10 it works for byu when byu is worked uh, ranked in the top 10 so let me bring it back to this i want you to give me one reason you would like to see the game played as a utah fan one reason you would like to not see it played as a utah fan and then how you feel and we're just saying okay. hypothetical we're saying okay the pac-12 has opened it up 
and we, we've got like six days notice time because Colorado shuts down his program or something like that. We got some TBD future date available. Okay, and this is a perfect topic because we have to talk hypotheticals because neither of us played a game last week. For sure. And, I mean, Utah still freaking hasn't played a game. So hypothetically, the reason I would want it and the reason I wouldn't. Let's start with the reason why I'd want it. Okay. Because it would be nice. It would be so freaking nice to have Utah be the one to, to ruin this season you guys are having. <laughs> you guys are riding this high streak. Everyone's arguing about whether your schedule's good enough, whether you're good enough, whether you'd finally beat Utah this year. Everybody on your side's convinced you'd beat Utah because that's what happens every year. And then it's the Utah to come in with hardly any practice, hardly any preparation, maybe one game in the belt, and beat you. It would be one of the greatest moments in twitter freaking history and i want that so bad i would love that to happen so that's the reason i would want it to happen why i don't want it to happen is logically look at the situation utah is a mess right now with prepper i mean dude it'll be your 10th game you will be in late season form you'll have had nine games to work out any kinks to work on timing to work on whatever utah still has not played a freaking game it would be our second game if we play this weekend we still could not even play this weekend it could be our first game so we are second game with a new quarterback new defense um not a lot of practice time i heard that the the week leading up to the u uh the the season opener is arizona like 60 percent of the starters weren't even at the facility because they were quarantining and so they haven't practiced much we had three game three practices for spring ball so we had no spring ball no summer practices uh, we started late it would just be a disaster and i would hate for our 11 year streak to end on something like this you know i i'm you know, I, I would admit it. Hey, you beat us. But deep down, I'm like, dang it, dude. That sucks that it ends that way. It sucks that it ends that way. Because I, I probably will never see a streak this long again in my life, you know, over a decade. And I want it to go on as long as possible. I'd hate to lose it on, on, on a season that's just kind of a throwaway season where we haven't played a game. So that's the reason why I wouldn't want to play. And how do I feel? I feel let's freaking go because I'm a competitor, man. If we can do this, let's match up. Let's go. The Utes have been recruiting at a high level for a decade. we got a coach who hates to lose this rivalry. Let's freaking go. Let's strap it up and let's play this thing next week. I'm ready. Nice. I I'm at like dumb, man. Lean in close and whisper just to, to bring us back down here. <laughs> I love it. I love the passion, man. I love it. Um, Here's what I would I would say. BYU fans absolutely, absolutely cannot say that that reason number one is petty of Utah because do you know what? That is the exact situation Boise State was in last year. They were in, uh, I don't know if they were top 10, but they were headed for the New Year, New Year's Six that I still want to call New York Six. They were headed for a New Year's Six. They were the number one rated G5 school. They were undefeated, and BYU took them down. And being the the what the road bump the whatever the thing that messed them up and got them out of that was sweet because they're a rival too we don't like them we don't like their fans we enjoy the rivalry um we're we're maybe slightly less honored to be their rival than utah's rival but there's a little bit of honor to be their rival but the fact that we got in the way and took them down and we were able to do that it didn't do a tremendous amount for our season because we'd already had some losses but to get in the way of theirs that was enjoyable. So we absolutely, absolutely understand that reason for wanting that. So, yeah. And then number two, if I'm reading you correctly, you're saying um, we're scared. <laughs> no. <laughs> not scared at all, man. I told you. I'm not scared. We'll do it whenever, anywhere. But yeah. if if it happened that we were to lose our super long streak that way, because, dude, it's been 
I mean, we've talked about it. 2009 was forever ago, dude. That was Obama's first year of his presidency. That's how long it's been. That was before Instagram, before iPads. I mean, that was freaking forever ago. It would suck to have a streak end like that. If it's going to end, I want it to end on a good thought game where we played our heart out. Everyone was full strength. You know, I, it would just it would suck to have it end that way. Uh, as a BYU fan, more than anything, I want it to end. But uh, a part of me can appreciate that I want it to end in a respectable manner. I want it to end legitimately. If you look at the past nine games, we've had our chances. We've been inches away. We've been very, very close. And I would way rather have had it end on any of those just because the – I mean, there's always excuses. Every We're fans. Fans make excuses. But the excuses this year – are tremendous. And I was thinking about this when I was driving, thinking about our uh, our show prep for the podcast, and I thought this would be like uh, a Utah, an Alex Smith-led Utah. You know, that's kind of where I feel like Zach Wilson is. Not necessarily saying Zach Wilson is Alex Smith, number one draft, all that, but he's been our best quarterback in, in a couple of decades, and I don't think many fans would argue very hard against that. that. I mean, he's setting the bar really high. So we'll say this is our Alex Smith. We've got on the defensive side, we've got our star Lotu Lele, uh, in uh, Kairos Tonga, you know, I mean, we've got we've got a good team. So if if BYU was going against a Utah team that had Alex Smith and Star Lotulele, and we were down to some guy like our our receiver was projected to start at quarterback because coronavirus has just devastated our team, and so we have no idea who's lining up where. No practices, this that. I will not hesitate to tell you. I would want no part of that because I've seen ugly games before. I've seen blowouts before, and and it doesn't take a genius to say that's going to be ugly. That's going to be a blowout. So I can certainly understand why. Yeah, you'd hesitate. Now that being said, yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's, it's sports. Sports should be fun, even when they're not fun. They're fun. Let's sports is better than no sports. Let's play. And and you're really not that far off, dude. When you say a receiver playing quarterback, it came out on Twitter last week that Britton Covey. Was was to be the backup quarterback. Our freaking five foot nine slot receiver was going to be the backup quarterback going against UCLA. So it's been it sucks. I don't know why we were decimated so bad with COVID. We've talked about it in previous podcasts. Whether the testing, I don't know. I don't want to get into that. But the fact is, we've got numbers. Of, we've got players that shouldn't be playing. And, and not only that, even if even if we were a hundred percent, but the fact that you're on your tenth game and we'd be on our second at best, you know. That's like a huge, huge, hugely the decks are stacked against anybody. Like, I mean, that's 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 just, it sucks. But if we play, if the opportunity is there and we do it, let's freaking go, man. Let's do this. Yeah, and, and that rolls right into my number one reason. So as a BYU fan, number one, uh, why we do want to play, <laughs> we have never, maybe ever, since like the Ty Detmer era, had a better chance at beating Utah than we do right now. I mean, every single facet of it that you could look at, it, it leans in BYU's favor. You, you're right. We've had the games. We've had a chance to work out our offense. I mean, the, a lot of the national people have been saying this year three of Jeff Grimes is finally when we're seeing it come together, things that he's been building towards for years. So things are clicking really well. Uh, I mean, the, the rosters are stacked, likely way more stacked than they'll be next year, definitely more than they were last year. I mean, our players are great. And then you look at all the disadvantages from the Utah side alone. This isn't apples to apples with regards to COVID protocol. BYU has, and I believe they're doing a good job. They've they've been keeping players out. They've been, you know, they've canceled a game. Uh, so I don't want to certainly, I don't want to accuse them of not doing enough. But the Pac-12, 
I think is doing a little bit too much. You know, we talked about that uh, Nick Ford tweet where he had to have negative test after negative test after negative test, and he still couldn't play. And you think, good grief, I think the Pac-12 is tying their team's hands behind their back. So that's clearly advantage BYU because it's not apples to apples versus one program versus the other. Yep. I mean, you set aside who plays, who doesn't, all that crap. The fact that you've, you've got, if you just simply had one team who's been practicing every day since August, played nine games, go up against a team that hasn't practiced hardly at all with a full team, and played one game, dude, I mean, it doesn't matter the talent level. That That is a huge advantage for the team that's been playing all season. It just is. But you know what? They sound like excuses. I don't care. No excuses. If we suit up and we're on the field and we lose, we lose. But if we're going to do it, let's freaking go. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, and that's you'd feel bad. Honestly, I mean, as a rival, I don't feel bad. As a neutral observer, I mean, you look at that and be like, man, this this just isn't fair. You know, you oh, would dude, you know, to what, some you know degree and feel is, bad. Is uh, No matter what happens, I've already got my talking points ready. All right, all right. Gotten, I've already got my. If we win, it will be it will be it'll be just amazing to say what we did, you know, to to derail their season, all that, all with our backup quarterback being a. If we win, if we lose, I'll just nah, it's an asterisk. It doesn't. I mean, it's, it was an <laughs> exhibition. We'll we'll get you back next year, and then when if we win next year, like, eh, you know, that proves that last year was an asterisk. Doesn't matter. If, if as things were right now, like, and, and that's the thing, I don't dare make a prediction going four weeks out because, you know, what if Zach Wilson goes down? What if circumstances change? But as things stand right now, if Utah were to beat BYU, I, I don't think I would ever dare have the audacity to compare the teams ever again. I would say BYU is a G5 team. They belong in the Mountain West. Uh, Utah is clearly superior because that's the thing. If you can't beat them now with everything we've just discussed, then you can't beat them, you know? And, and so, yeah, it, it would be, know, it you would be the worst now, ever. You guys, I've told you this before. You guys have the unique ability to bury <laughs> any bad memories in the past and forget it and be super. I mean, you look at 2012, you had a senior, you were ranked. You had a senior Riley Nelson quarterback. We lost John or uh, Jordan Wynn for the season. We had John Hayes, who was literally a Division II walk-on. We had lost John White, our running back, for that game. We had Jarrell Oliver, who, like, that's literally the only game he ever played. Our safeties, Brian Blecken and Eric Rowe. I remember before that game, people said the same thing. If Utah, if BYU can't beat Utah now, when can they? And you know what I'm saying? It's 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 easy to wipe it behind and, and be optimistic. That's what you guys excel in is being optimistic about. We got you this year. You yeah. Know? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're discounting though. You give Kyle Whittingham, you know, motivated by whatever motivates and fuels him, and that's probably another conversation for another episode. You give him a solid week or two weeks of practice mm-hmm. to get ready for this game. You give him a solid, you know, training camp, all that. It doesn't matter who he's got. I mean, he's got his guys, two deep, three deep. He's got them ready to go. He doesn't have that right now. That's that's why no, I'm saying this is even more different than that. And, dude, he could not even have a week. Like, it could be like last week's Cal-UCLA game was literally two days. Can you Utah believe canceled, that? Dude, Utah canceled on Friday morning, and then yeah. they rescheduled in Sunday morning. Less than 48 hours later, you have a new matchup. Like, and so that's why, and you look at that, Cal got obliterated, and I, you can't put, to me anyway, I, I don't think you can put stock in that. I still think Cal's a better team than UCLA, but dude, they both had less than 48 hours. They didn't even, they were, it's just, 
It's a stupid season. It sucks, man. I, I and that's the thing. I don't like that. I because you're 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 taking the coaching element of it away. And so much of what I love about college football is the coaching. It's the strategy. It's the oh, what a brilliant idea. What a great move. Without that, you you've got playground football. You've got guys in between in their lunch hour in the elementary school just lining up with no, you know, as talent versus talent. Coaching is such a key aspect, and so I hate that because so much of it is film review. It's spotting yep. things, scouting things, and so I don't know. I'm and not one, a fan one, of the last-minute changes. Yeah, yeah. One example I love of that was the 2006 rivalry game. BYU, as we know, won the game on the John Beck to Harleen play at the end, right? But mm-hmm. BYU was rolling going into that game. 2006, you were an awesome team. You had beaten TCU on the road. You had lost a game in the Mountain West. Utah was just like, man, not the great. We were 7-5, and five, whatever. And what did Kyle Whittingham do? He put Eric Weddle at, run, at quarterback for like 25% of the snaps in that game and where he was throwing the ball, run the Wildcat, totally out of nowhere. Game, you know, And BYU had no idea to prepare for that. But Eric yeah. Weddle comes out and made it a close game, and Utah took the lead with a minute left, you know, and you know how it ended. So, like, that's that's a co- an example of how give a give Witt a week, he'll come up with something to make it competitive, you know. But I just hope if it happens, I hope we do have a week notice. I hope it's at least we can yeah. have a week to prepare, not like, hey, Friday morning, Arizona State's out, BYU-Utah tomorrow, <laughs> Rice Eccles. Like, dude, do you know how much anxiety that would cause me? Well, and that's why... Honestly, and and here's the thing: you don't know, and I don't know, but I find it believable that Tom Homo has maybe made a phone call and said, "Hey, we got the green light," and uh, Harlan Witt, whoever, is like, "Not so fast, there, buddy. Let's see how this goes." You know, maybe not an outright no, but no, I'm not gonna sign up to say no questions asked, two days notice. Let's do this. I mean, it's yeah. just it's not the same yeah. game. It's not the same sport. You're right. So. Um, and, and of those two, I would think it would be Witt that would put a kibosh on it. I think Harlan. Yeah. He's, in my opinion, he's he's shown that he's willing to play whenever, whoever. It doesn't matter. You know, right. he's he's already said, listen, we're not rescheduling the BYU game next year. It's at their place. It's the pandemic. We can't help it. We'll make sure we play the basketball game, et cetera. He's like, he's willing to play it. Yeah. But, you dude, anything is with Witt, and he's at a stage in his career where he doesn't have to do what he doesn't want to do because right. he's right. earned the right to make, and, call the shots like this, you know? I wouldn't, and, and this is not me calling him scared. If I'm putting myself in his shoes and seeing the world the way he sees it, I don't want this game. Give me the game next year. I, You know, I really just don't want... Not because of Zach Wilson, not because BYU is good, because this has been a messed up year. Like, let's keep it, keep everything even. You know, Pac-12 teams preparing for each other. They've got the same restraints on each other. That's that's a little more fair. That's a little bit more the same game. So yeah, Not only that, but, but Utah and BYU, it just is different. It's different. You know, losing to BYU is different than losing to, to even Utah State. Like, it... it it matters more that game, right? And so right. I can see him saying, "No, this is this means too much to throw together a game in 24 hours." Yeah. You know? yeah, let's let's just call freaking Utah State and wax the the cowboy the cow dudes up there because the, you know it doesn't matter as much. I hope, dude. I just hope. I hope we play our schedule because I want a chance to three-peat in the South. I've mentioned this before. Yeah, I want to be yeah. the third, the, the first team to ever three-peat. We still have that opportunity if I was looking at the tiebreaker rules. The way you can qualify for the South. So let's say if there's a four and Utah and a six and US UCLA or something, right? Yeah. We won't be able to we won't be able to qualify because we've got to be able to have only one less game played than the average. So if the average is five point seven five games played, they round mm-hmm. up to six. So we have to play five. So if we're four and and the average is 
5.75 round of six. We don't even qualify for the, oh, the, really? the chance to win the South. So are these, at these this are point, special rules this year that they've just yeah, announced? Yeah, this year. They made these rules when they made the schedule. So Weird. to even qualify for the South title, we've got to play only one less game than the average, right? Uh-huh. So... So like if we've already missed our two, so if we if we miss another Pac-12 game, we don't even have a chance to win the South, right? So we've got to play the remainder of what we've got scheduled to even qualify to win the South. So we could go we could go four and zero, which yeah. I mean that sucks because it's only four games, but we wouldn't qualify because we need five to to qualify to win the South. So and and maybe you haven't looked into this, but with this new wrinkle, does a BYU game get you there? Does that count as a fifth game? No, it's got to be the division has to be the, in the, conference. The, yeah, in in division, like not even so. If let's say oh, we had played yeah. our first game against uh, or our game against Oregon State, but then missed a bunch of South. If we didn't have enough in division games, it wouldn't count. Oh, gotcha. Let's so just, it just, just sucks, man. It bring, sucks because bring BYU in, bring them in the pack. Everybody's been everybody's been different. Each conference has started at different rates. The problem is that everyone's got the same end date, which is the date that the the big the playoffs are announced, right? Like yeah. So like, there's no like, there's no wiggle room. Whereas conferences that started sooner have wiggle room because they have extra. We don't. We got no wiggle room. I've talked about it. We've already missed two games, and so I, I don't think it's gonna happen. But if if the playoffs decided, hey, we're gonna push it back three weeks, then then we're maybe we're back in the conversation. But it, yeah. that won't happen unless the SEC has another wave of tons of canceled games. That's when it matters. When they're the conference that's screwed, that's when all of a sudden they're open to. Oh well, maybe we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, a playoff with no Alabama, no Clemson, no you know what? Who the powers that be? When suddenly it's a problem for them, then it's a problem for everybody, and then <laughs> yeah, you can all get right. on the same page. Until yeah. then, it's like, oh, sorry, Pac-12, you made a mistake. Yeah. Which, if there was a year to justify, I mean, this this goes to how how severe you think the pandemic is, and we're not going to discuss that. But, you know, we, we can hide behind the fact that we did this for safety, player safety because of the pandemic. We had no control over it. If there was a year to justify playing less games, it's because of a worldwide pandemic like this, right? Right, right. Anyway, for sure. I don't know. Yeah. What do you do? I don't know. But my number two reason, if I'm a, if I'm a BYU fan, so, so my number one reason is I think we're going to win. My number two, my, uh, my reason to not play the game is we're on track. We're on track for a big game against a P5 team in a big bowl with a ton of money. So for me, a business decision, if I take all the passion and all the excitement and all the love and all the joy out of the game and I put on my CEO hat, not only do I not want the Utah game, I don't want any game. I'm saying, let's let's go, let's head on down to the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl or whatever bowl you want to put us in. Let's get that nice check that we don't have to share with anybody, and let's call this one a win, even if we lose that game. Doesn't matter. We got our money. You're right. Uh, dude, you're right. And I brought that up. It is. A, it, it is. It, like I said, if you have two games left, I mean, this game Saturday is an absolute guarantee win. So you mm-hmm. basically have one game left. San Diego State at home. If you win that, you're undefeated and in a new NY6 game. I almost yeah. called it New York six game too. <laughs> you're in an NY six game, right? So you're a yeah. business decision. You shouldn't do it. Yeah. But again, it's it's pat it's the passion of college football. Do you want to prove that you can beat the big boys? Let's get USC or Oregon somehow on the schedule. I do, and and that's the thing. I do. I would say yes to Utah because I mean that's the thing. As a fan, I want that more than anything. It's been so long since we beat Utah. Yes to Utah. We beat USC all the time, right? 
uh, we just beat them last year. So uh, I don't know if I'd say yes to USC. I think the risk reward, maybe, maybe not. Oregon, I'd say, you know, we may end up facing Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. So I don't know if I'd be too eager to do that. Someone was putting all the games out there that are available. Uh, I would say yes to Liberty because I think Liberty, the risk reward, I think they're beatable. We beat them pretty easily last time we faced them. I think uh, our case for an undefeated outsider from the P5 League is stronger than theirs is, and I think we can prove it on the field easily. So I'd say, yeah, bring me Liberty, bring it on. Uh, Marshall, you know, SMU, some of those others I'm not afraid of. Cincinnati's the only non-P5 that I would say maybe not, you know, because like we said before, we can face them in a New Year's Six, and uh, and let's let's prove it there. Let's solve it there. You know, both of us get paid. Give you Liberty or give you death. That's what you're saying. (laughs) Or give me nobody. Give me Liberty or go away. Hey, (laughs) you know, know. Liberty, dude, Liberty's... Liberty is a pretty good team. And, dude, I was looking at their schedule, bro. They've beaten Syracuse and Virginia Tech, and they uh-huh. play NC State this week. So if they're undefeated at the end of the year, and and they've got Coastal Carolina, who's also undefeated, if they win those last games, I, I don't know. Their resume looks pretty good, dude. That's pretty good. Yeah, And that's the thing. Them scheduling Coastal Carolina is kind of what I want to do. Like, I would take on Coastal Carolina, too. Anyone else who's a, a pretender out there, which I'm, I'm throwing BYU in that category. People are saying, nah, they're, they're not legit because of their weak schedule. Yeah, bring them on. Let's let's prove it on the field. I am not afraid of any of those teams. And, the, and yeah, they beat Virginia Tech on a fluke timeout. You know, like this crazy last minute end of game play. Like, that was a dang close yeah, game. it was a fluke. And, it and it's, but still, it's a good team, dude. It's a P five team that the the and they'll have three P five wins if they get if they get this. Um, I brought that up on Twitter a, co- a week or so ago about BYU, Marshall, Liberty, Cincinnati. Those four should square off for the for a, a quasi tournament for the winner in the playoffs. Would you do that sure. if that was an option? If they said, okay, let's take these four teams, winner of this four man tournament gets the fourth playoff bid. Would you absolutely would you take that? Absolutely in a heartbeat. Like I said, I'm not I'm not afraid of Liberty. Watching them, which I haven't watched a ton of, but they're familiar with me because we played them in the past. And I just I, I'm not afraid of Liberty. Uh, Coastal Carolina, yeah, I don't I don't think we would struggle with them. Cincinnati is the only one. They they look like they've got a stout defense. I think that would be a very entertaining game. I don't think they would blow out BYU. This is me this is me trying to be objective. I don't think they beat BYU in a blowout. I don't know if BYU beats them in a blowout. I think they're much tougher than Boise State, and, and you know it wouldn't be the same kind of a just rolling right over them. So uh, essentially, I think it would come down to BYU versus Cincinnati. And if I knew for sure that the winner got a playoff, absolutely. You know, let's go for that. Yeah, how often do you have that chance? So play in game, never. sure. Sign me up. Freaking yeah, never, never in college football. Nobody I, ever gets a fair freaking chance. It's I know, and they never will. A stupid world. We just need to. Dude, run a simulator where we can have relegation leagues, you know, have, have oh, something dude, where you, you earn your spot. I mean, yeah. That's the problem. It's, this year, this pandemic has shown the light on what a unfair, uh, disjointed system it is. Nobody's playing by the same rules. Nobody's, you know, there's, there's not an equal an equal ground at all. There's, there's not one commissioner leader of all this. It's 15 siloed leagues and they're all calling their own shot but the bigger ones are leaning on the other ones to get their way and it just sucks the whole thing sucks let me think outside the box here for a minute and just ponder for a minute with me how weird it is that in america athletics are married to academics like europe doesn't do that nowhere else in the world does that you want to play soccer or basketball you go find your club 
you know, like your Real Salt Lake Junior League, and you, you play with your club, and you rise up the ranks, and so you have these clubs that are regional, but they're not affiliated with any schools. And I've thought about there's a ton of built-in advantages there. Specifically, you don't have the politics getting involved. You earn it on the field. It's all a business. It's all athletics. It's a little bit more pure. But I've tried thinking about that, and for me, it just wouldn't do it because if you were to like rename BYU like Football Club Provo or some stupid thing like that, I don't necessarily have any affiliation with the city of Provo other than my brother lives there. But like you don't cheer for a place that your relatives live, you know. Yeah. But then BYU, the institution, okay, I grew up cheering for them. I love like they're affiliated with my church. The church is a very big yep. part of my life. Like there's some connections I can draw where. It just I, the passion would go away for me, but it's it's the one thing that messes us up so much. Yeah, the drawback is one of the benefits, right? The drawback yeah. is that it's it is tied to the academic institutions, and you have that affinity to them because a you went to school there, or b you know I mean for someone like there are people that just grow up being fans of the team because their parents are and they don't go to school there themselves, but there right. it, there's a draw to it. Your parents went there, so that's why you, you're right. If it was you know like you said, football club Provo. Or 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 Real Salt Lake football Utah, it would be like, eh, it's it's not the same. It's just so. Yeah. There's the pros and cons of it, but I, I like I like being because it, it, nowhere else do you have like you cheer for two BYUs or two Utahs, the football one and the basketball one. You know, right? Like right. Everywhere else, it's like I cheer for this soccer team, this baseball team, this football team. No affiliation, no connection. But there's a Utah football team and a Utah basketball team, and I'm a Utes fan. You know, it's just. It's quite interesting. All right, yeah. well, let's jump into our questions. Let's, let's okay. jump into our, our, our Let's mailbag. open up that mailbag. Um, wait, you have to ask me which one I want. Oh, wait, no, you already did. I do want to play Utah. All right, let's move on from there. Okay. All right, Devin Hypnosis, at Devin Hypnosis, known as Hypno-Ute, wants to know, waffle or French toast? You know, to me, it doesn't matter because it's what I put on both of them. You know, I'll, 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 I'll put a ton of sugary stuff on both, you know? I'll put whipped cream, candied strawberries, chocolate chips on either one, so it doesn't matter. But if at the end of the day, if I had to go strictly waffle with syrup or French toast with syrup, I'd go French toast. I like it. it's a little bit sweeter, a little bit night, a little bit better. I don't know. This maybe this is why we get along so well. I would answer that word for word the way you answered it, but uh, but I think you worded it better than I would have said. So I wholeheartedly right. agree. And want to add yes. a shout out to Stuffed French Toast from IHOP. That is just like my favorite restaurant, whatever, fast food, not really fast food, cheap restaurant breakfast, the Stuffed uh, French quick Toast. Serve, those are called Quick Serve Restaurants, QSRs. Quick Serve Restaurant. I did not know that. A Quick Serve Restaurant. All right. So we don't have IHOPs up here, and it's been years and years and years since I have enjoyed a Stuffed French Toast. However, Make your own, bro. I've got well, a recipe for you. Yeah, send it my Make way. So own. my wife actually made uh, for my daughter's birthday this past weekend um, this really good strawberry glaze topping for waffles, and it tasted just like a stuffed mm. French toast. And so, I, you know, that that's yeah. why in my mind they're, it's just, they're both good. You can't go wrong. Yeah, dude. My wife can make these. You make the French toast, and you put Nutella in between the two slices, and then you, uh, you, nice. you fry those, and you got your stuffed Nutella French toast homemade. Really good. Sweet. But I like both. Good okay. question. What's the next? Okay, Devin actually is a two-parter because he hit us up just a few minutes later, actually an hour later. And this is a good one to think about. That means he was thinking about it, man. He was contemplating yeah. it for an hour and came back. Devin, you're the man. Thanks, bro. We, we like that. So Devin's a hypnotist, in... man. He he literally works as a hypnotist. He goes to nice. schools and does hypnotist shows and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. That would be we should uh yeah, we'll we'll delve into that a little bit deeper. Back in ancient times. 
Contests were decided by single combat. Who are you marching out to do battle between Utah and BYU? You know, a lot of people will go with their biggest, strongest man in this situation. I'm not uh-huh. going with that. I'm going with a dude who a, a is gymnast. nasty. No, yeah, no. Missy Marlowe. No. Hey, who's that McKenna? McKenna? What was her name? They're your really good gymnast from the past few years. She's been. I'd oh. Go with her. She's she's really good. She's a she's a she's a good looking gal too. So shout out to her. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I'm going with someone who's got eyes of steel, a heart of steel. I'm going with Coach Kyle Witt, man. He's ruthless. He will rip your freaking heart out, and he's he works out all the time. He's really, you know, as we know, his calves, and he's he's big into fitness, and he's just he's compact, dude. You look at him; he was an all black linebacker at BYU. He's tough as nails, bro. I'd go Kyle Whittingham. He's ruthless. He'd get it done. I did look at him. He fires his friends, his best friends, if they suck after a year. Aaron Roderick. Those two are buddies. And he said, "You're out. You suck." So I'd go with Kyle Whittingham. He's ruthless. You. Kyle's a good choice. Well, I was thinking about it. I thought, okay, current player, you know, you go with someone like uh, Kyrus Tonga because he's just he's just a big, beefy, strong stud. Going back a few years, if Taysom Hill was, you know, if we can pick alumni, Taysom Hill. I mean, he. I I still marvel about this. The fact that under Bronco they had the entire team do like competitions, and the dude won. He's he squatted more than anyone else on the team. Your quarterback was squatting more than every single lineman. And so I think, man, he's he is who I would march out there. Now that being said, he got injured a lot, so maybe he's not the best in hand-to-hand single combat. But, but I mean, I think he got injured because he was so strong he ripped his own body apart with his muscles. You know, yeah, you ever worry your muscles like are going to be stronger than your bones, and then you'll like just injure yourself? No, I wish. I wish I had that worry. I think <laughs> my muscles th- are too big. <laughs> I'm a doctor, and I think that's what happened to Taysom Hill is his muscles ripped his bones apart when they shouldn't have because he was way too strong. Um, so I'd go with him. And then um, this may be a little bit of a stretch, but you've got the, the board of directors for the university, and then you've got a person that they answer to. And that person, I... <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're saying? Yeah, that's who I'd say that to. Luckily, he doesn't care about football. Otherwise, it'd be game Sing- over. So he's, he's leaving man- you. Leaving you up to your own devices to handle that. So you've got to choose someone else. Well, he he turned the other cheek, right? I mean, uh, this, this yeah. is going to take a this is going to get to a corner we don't want to get to here pretty quick. Getting, I, I already had several sacrilegious thoughts that I had to hold back. <laughs> so, so my nephew, I used to, when he was younger, I, we just we got a little creative with our paper rock scissors. I was like, let's open it up. You can do anything you want, not just paper rock or scissors. And I'm like, gun. And he was like, nuclear bomb. And then we just kept escalating to where he's like, heavily fought. And I was like, all right, game over, game over. We can't play this game anymore. Yeah, that's good. You win every yeah. time. Because right, he'd know what you were going to do first. That's why. He would know right. if you're throwing a rock so he'd have the paper out. All right, last question. Was there one more? Yeah, or yeah. We've more, got right? one from uh, here's Johnny, Johnny J20, friend of the program. He always has good, good questions. Johnny, you're the man. Okay, this one, this one uh, um, you know, we might need to think on a little bit. Who is your favorite player all time from the opposing team? Jake, I need you to tell me your favorite BYU player of all time, and uh, I will tell you my favorite Ute. I'll tell you, I've already got that answer. All right. I thought on this earlier when you told me. It was just from a few years ago. It was, I want to say, 2016 game at Rice Eccles Stadium. I get there way early when the stadium opens so I can go watch teams warm up. Yeah. And I watched as Jamal Williams walked around the field 
and he would throw the ball to anyone in the stands, including Ute fans. He'd say, hey, yo, to a kid, and they'd throw it. He'd toss it back and forth and interact with Ute fans, BYU fans, didn't matter. He gave everybody the time of day and was super, super polite. He threw the ball to me. I threw it back to him. I said, hey, good luck today, and I got I was a fan for life that day from him. He was super awesome, super kind, just gregarious. You know his personality. He's gregarious. He's outgoing. And I remember thinking, man, I like that guy. That's a guy I can cheer for. So my answer, Jamal Williams, stud. I love it. Have you seen that he still does that at the NFL level? He's he's dancing, and he's throwing the ball. He's interacting. He's still he's the same guy, and he probably always will be. He's got his headphones on, and he's just boogieing, man. And that, that's yeah. something I can't do. I just I don't have the moves. I mean, I guess if I did that every week before games, I might develop those moves. Yeah. The guy can dance. Yeah, and that's what it was. He had his headphones on. He was laughing, joking with anybody, anybody. And this is before Utah BYU ever game when everyone's hyped up angry because they're playing the rival and he was just like whatever man he took pictures with you kids i mean he was dude awesome i like that guy yeah. jamal williams that's my answer stud i like it that's a good answer and i think it, it kind of gets into the reason behind my answer too is rivals we we re- truly despise those who disrespect us right like like max hall after his comments you you do not like him because he's he disrespects in in his comments and so anytime someone gets on twitter and they're very condescending disrespectful it's easy to be like oh i hate them and the conversely, when you feel respected, you can't help but be like, I like that guy. And so um, in that sense, Eric Weddle, not that he's gone out of his way to be very overly respectful, but I, I love at the end of the game, that same game we referenced, John Beck versus Eric Weddle, they're both seniors, put their arms around each other. You know, they respect each other. And there's no, there's no bitter hatred. There's no spitting at each other, cheap shots, F word this, you know, getting in each other's faces. They had a mutual respect, even though, I mean, you think about a quarterback and a, a safety or a quarter, was he, he was safety at the time, right? Yep, uh, yep, yep. These guys are direct competitors with each other, not just on different teams, but like directly the one of them's success takes away from the other's success. And, and to see that mutual respect, I think, man, that guy's a stud. So it's kind of cool to see him go out and ball out and, and eat ice cream with his family and talk about all that stuff in his press conferences and, and then get on Twitter and be like, light the world for Christmas and all this stuff. I can be like, man, yeah. that's an easy guy to cheer for. Not only that, that but re- reference that game where, where he put his arm on John Beck. Do you remember his post-game press conference? They asked him about that. Sp- you, I saw you with your arm around John Beck. He's like, man, he's been maligned in his career for the last couple of years, people questioning whether he's a good quarterback. And he said he is a good quarterback. You don't have a season like this without doing what he just did. So I'm happy for him. He said those words. I'm happy for him in his press conference after a loss to BYU. He's all class, dude. And yeah. even now, you listen to his weekly conference or show on 1280 The Zone. He's always still referencing his heavenly Father and grateful for what he has. And he's just he's a humble guy. He's a real guy. I love him too. Yeah. Humble was the word I was just gonna say. I had a really good talk with my kids this week about the power of humility, how the world gets it wrong. The world thinks humbleness is, especially in sports, humility is wrong, being humble is wrong, being proud is right. Like that's what the, any, I've even seen athletes tweet that before, like do not be humble. You can't be humble in this game. That is so wrong. Hum, being humble is how you grow. And if you put that barricade on yourself and say, I will not be humble, you, I cannot grow, you're stuck. You know, yep. being prideful is how you stop growing. Being humble is how you get better. And so, I mean, just seeing seeing his humility and, and I mean, that every bit of the fiber of the man that he is and, and the, not only the athlete, but off the field, too. Yep. There, there's a quote I love, and I'm not getting too churchy here, but it's a quote that I love that I have hanging in my office at work by uh, David Bednar. And it's along those lines of humility. It's meekness. He says, quote, meekness is not 
weakness, right? People mm-hmm. think, you know, you're, if you're meek, you're just, you're a pushover, you're what? No, dude, meekness, humility, whatever, meekness is not weakness. And I, I love that because there's times Absolutely. where like, I, I, I'm riled up about something that's just a disagreement at work or with, with, with someone in my, one of my brothers, and I want to say something kind of like in your face, and I remind myself, let it go because meekness is not weakness. It doesn't mean I'm losing this argument. doesn't mean I'm losing my point. I'm just letting it go because meekness is not weakness. Absolutely. That, that'd be a good Twitter mantra too. You know, anytime you're, you're getting into a back oh, and forth of, you know, it's okay, to, it's it. okay to let this one go. I, I promise you, and I, and I still get dragged into arguments sometimes depending on the mood I'm in, but I bet you out of every argument I get in, there's nine other arguments where I've started to tweet something and I delete it and I tell myself that. Meekness is not weakness. Because yeah. I could, if I wanted, based on just how my personality is, I could get in millions of arguments a day and I keep telling myself, meekness is not weakness, man. Just let this go. But there's times where I still, every now and then, get in one, but not nearly the level I used to anyway. Yeah. For sure. Any other hey, I need any to, other questions before we well, roll? No, that's the end of the questions. But I wanted to give an honorable mention, and it's too early to say this. You know how sometimes you just have to have perspective and time pass. I could see Britton Covey surpassing Weddle as my favorite Ute because he's got that same quality about him. You see him interact with fans of BYU, and he's all class. And you see, I mean, he's just I st- I swear he's going to be the governor of Utah someday. I can see that, or a, a senator, who knows? Like that guy, he can win people over. He's going places. He may be the first governor that's also playing football because his eligibility never expires. <laughs> Seriously, that's dude, true. you think about it. You think about people make fun of people that are fifth year seniors. Yeah. 2015. He's a true freshman. He makes an immediate impact against Michigan, so you know who he is. 2015, a freshman. 16, he's on his mission. 17, he's on his mission. 18, he comes back for his sophomore year, has a pretty good sophomore year. 19, he plays the first four games, hurts his knee, red shirts. So this year, 20, he was supposed to be a junior. But because nobody loses eligibility, 2021, he'll be a junior. 2022, (laughs) a senior. So he will have eight seasons. Eight seasons where he was eligible. And four of them he didn't play. Four of them he did. He's been around forever. But, dude, I love the kid. He's a good kid. Yeah. Man, I want to say, yeah, I'm just thinking about my own life in that time and like how I was already a dad at that age and all that. And of course, a lot of BYU players are uh, dads and still playing football. But yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I would vote for, well, I'd vote for him if he ran for governor of Alaska. You know, I may find myself back in Utah someday. Yeah, one day. I don't know, man. You're, you seem yeah. pretty ingratiated up there. Yeah. You know, here's the th- someday uh, it's going to be too cold and I'm going to be too old and I'm going to want uh, if it's going to be Utah, it's going to be southern Utah. More likely it's going to be Vegas or Arizona somewhere, but I'm going to have a pool in my backyard. I'm going to have Saint just uh, I'm just going to go thaw out for the, my last 20 years and and just not be cold anymore, you know. This is what I'm going to do. I've planned it out. I when I when we built our house 5 years ago cuz I don't have a commute. I, I told my wife, "We can go freaking anywhere. Let's go to St. George." She didn't want to do it because she didn't want kids to change schools, blah, blah, blah. But when my youngest goes on his mission, which is 14 years from now when he graduates high school, we're selling our house here in Bountiful. I've got a lot up in Bear Lake. I'm going to build a cabin there and buy a house in St. George. I'm going to spend the winters in, in down in St. George, the summers in Bear Lake, and in between for the falls and springs. Nice. That's my I plan, like it. man. No more snow during the winter again. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is funny that we're both like Alaskans or you know have the Alaskan yeah. connection. And I, yeah, for yeah. now, I like I don't mind the snow at all. In fact, one of the things I love about wintertime, there's no yard work. You know, you just you get home from work and it's like, all right, let's watch football, let's do this and that, and then we've got you know the aurora, whatever. But it's it's nice it's nice to have everything just be frozen yeah. so you don't have to worry about it. But yeah, That's someday true. someday I may be done with this snow. Although winter, dude, I was talking to my wife this, dude. It's like six thirty. It's like let's go to bed. I'm tired. <laughs> it's cold. It's dark. Let's just go to bed. Whereas summer, you yep. never want to go to bed at six thirty. So from like six thirty to nine thirty, I'm fighting going to bed. I'm old. It sucks. Okay, conversation I had last week with a dude who lives on a homestead right now. So he's you go like halfway between where I am and where Denali National Park is, and then you go off the road like via a river. So those of you who've seen the movie Into the Wild or read the book Into the Wild, think of that type of, of setting because it's the same river. You go on that river, and then you travel via your snowmobile, which up here we call snow machine because it's more of a utility thing. You go via your snow machine, you go forever, and then you hike a little bit, and he's got his cabin like way out there isolated. And uh, so he hasn't seen anyone for like three months until he comes and sees me uh, for I'm his dentist. So he gets his teeth clean and all that. And so, of course, he's going to want to chat and I'm going to want to chat. So I'm catching up because life like that just fascinates me. You know, the people that can live like that. He retired and and that's all he wanted to do was just go out and be out there. And so I was asking him, he was saying this time of year, like, imagine sun rising at like 1030 in the morning, sun setting at 330. You've got no alarm clock. He's just, he's on his own clock all the time. And it's just, he is off grid. And it just, the way he talks about it sounds so peaceful. And that I told him does, that. dude. I said, that sounds peaceful. And he, he laughed at me and he said, well, last week wasn't. I said, oh no, what happened last week? A freaking bear. He was out on the trail and there's a wind, he called it a winter bear, you know, as though we all know what a winter bear is. But a winter bear is a bear that absolutely should be hibernating right now and for whatever reason is not. And winter bears can be dangerous and unpredictable. And what kind of mattered is he didn't have the right gun with him because you're not expecting to, to see a bear. So it really got his attention. It freaked him out. He, he got out of that situation pretty quick. But, uh, man, crazy, right? Dude, that's, yeah, that is. That's that, uh. That lifestyle, though, you're right. It would be kind of fun if you got no commitments. You don't worry about work, whatever. You just go out there and you just sleep most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great, dude. Build a fire uh, and sleep. Read a book and yeah. sleep. <laughs> dude. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. Hey, do we need a preview? I don't need to preview North Alabama because they, they're they not good. BYU should roll right over them. I don't want to see Zach Wilson play much more than even probably part of the second quarter. quarter you know, half, yeah. I want to get our twos reps. I want to get our threes reps. I want to get the rest of the team up to speed just in case we end up relying on somebody in a New Year Six Bowl. But I don't want to see the ones get a lot of time, so I, I'm hoping this is the most boring game you can imagine. Uh, and that's my preview for, for them. Do you, let's, let's hear what you think about uh, USC. Well, it's hard to do this because I, it sucks. To, like, what if I do this again and I get my heart ripped <laughs> out again? If, well, uh, if Things are trending up on that front, right? They are. They're I, trending up. They're, but... But, I mean, the last two games weren't canceled to Friday anyway because they yeah. tested positive Friday. So if this game gets canceled, honestly, I mean this with all my heart, screw it. Cancel the season because there's three weeks left anyway. You know, yeah. let's, let's not even mess around. Screw it. Cancel the season. Screw it. That's my thoughts. Okay, yeah. so if that happens. So they're playing USC this week. USC is 2-0. and USC in all three of their games, if they play this, will have been their opponent's first game of the season. Wow. Uh, which is getting an advantage for USC, right? So USC will be their third game. 
Uh, USC, they don't, they, they're ranked, they're undefeated, but dude, Keaton Slovis does not look like the quarterback he was last year. He's making some dumb decisions. He doesn't have a lot of zip on the ball. A lot of his deep balls are wobbly. And both games, they had to score under a minute to win. I mean, their first game, they were down two touchdowns, scored on a fourth down, got the onside kick, scored on a fourth down to win, right? So they've been lucky to escape both times. So they're not as good as their record indicates. That being said, Utah's probably their toughest game left, being if Utah were full strength, but we're we're, we're starting our first game. So I, I think USC is going to win the South just based on the virtue of the way this year is broken, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I, they, they don't, they're not... They're not as good as their record. They're not as good as their ranking. Um, but again, they have stud athletes, stud wide receivers. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be an NFL first round pick, an NFL lifer as a wide receiver. They have uh, a trio of running backs who are all look really good. Mala Popeye, I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Step, and uh, I can't, the other third dude's name escapes me. So they got athletes on both sides of the ball. I don't think they're great defensively, so I think we can put up some points just based on the fact that that's where most of our experience comes as offense anyway. So I expect the game to be something like USC 37, Utah 32. I don't think we're going to win. I think we're going to lose. Um, but I, I'm in fact, I'm counting on it. I've mentally told myself that all that matters now this season, the way it's the, what's left is just getting the young guys reps, make your mistakes. Now have J- JT brought in one of our cornerbacks give up a 60-yard touchdown this year so next year he learns from it and he doesn't do it next year, that type of thing. Get the young guys reps, get a lot of get some playmakers, show flashes for next year so he can focus on next year. So my prediction is USC 37, Utah 32, um, and USC wins by five. I do want to talk about one thing, though, that happened this week, which is a bright spot for our program because we've had a bunch of crap and gloom this season, is yeah. we got a linebacker commitment from a top 100 superstar stud linebacker uh, named Ethan Calvert out of Southern California. His older brother actually is a starter on UCLA's defense, uh, Bo Calvert. Um, and his other brother, I believe, played at Washington. So they've got a lineage of studs. And he was he's, he's our third highest ranked recruit of all time. Um, Clark Phillips being number one, who the guy that we got last year that we talked about stole from Ohio State. This kid also had offers from Ohio State and LSU and USC and Michigan. Like, this is a top-level freaking linebacker. Three or four shows ago, you brought up the hypothetical, could Utah ever win a national championship? And I said, unfortunately not in this environment and not with the recruiting level we have now. We need to up our recruiting. Well, it's guys like this we got to get. You know, we got a Clark Phillips. We get an Ethan Calvert. We need three or four of these guys per class, though, still. To be able to to legitimately say we could compete for a national championship, but the fact that we're getting these guys more and more than we used to, I mean, our top three recruits have all come in the last four years ever, you know, and our recruiting trajectory, we've talked about it, it's pointing up, so they're getting better and better and better. So I like it, man. They got a stud recruit who literally any school in America would love to have this guy, and he chose Utah. And the thing he said, which made my heart sing, is something I've been saying for years: Why don't linebackers come to Utah? For this reason, because we always have stud defensive linemen who eat up blocks so they can make plays. And that's exactly what he said. I chose Utah because they always have stud D linemen that take up blocks so I can make plays. It was like a dream come true. So I'm super pumped about that. That's the bit of good news for Utah this week. Other than that, I think we lose and uh, and then hopefully play three or four more games. I don't know. USC 37, Utah 32. That's it. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, let's let's hope, first of all, that it happens. I, I, I've only seen a handful of USC plays this year, and I noticed exactly what you said, very athletic receivers. And so, yeah, if I'm a Utah fan, uh, you love the chance for your very, very young secondary and very inexperienced secondary to go up against the best right off the bat. You know, so and that's you look what happened that. last year. That's what happened last year. Our loss down there was they had stud receivers last year too. This same guy, Amon Ross St. Brown, plus Micah Pittman, who was an NFL first round pick with the Colts or second round pick, one of the two. Um, and that's the reason we lost last year is Slovis got knocked out of the game on the first play of the game. And he was who we were game planning for all week. They bring in the third string guy, Matt Fink, and he was like a gunslinger where all he did is drop back and throw it deep. And they had three long passes that won them the game. They were long touchdown passes where it was 50-50 balls and the six foot four NFL wide receivers went up over our guys and made the play. So if that's the game plan this week to let them make jump balls against us, we'll lose for sure. I hope they mix it up and play zone, drop drop seven or eight guys and make confuse confuse Slovis. If we can do that, we'll make it a game. But yeah, you know, I, I, just think, I just think USC wins. People hate on dropping eight because Tuiaki loves to drop eight. But you know what? You don't lose on a single play when you drop eight. You know, you you yeah, lose you slowly them, and painfully, but but you don't lose instantly like that. Yep, you're right. It makes them go down the field, and it's like the whole bend don't break philosophy. We can give up five, six, seven, eight yards a time, but if USC makes a mistake and throws a pick, then that that philosophy worked. Whereas right. man to man, oh, I'm going to throw this long ball up, and Micah Pittman is going to just out jump Julian Blackman. And for a touchdown. And hey, Blackman's in the NFL, but it just shows you talent versus talent. I mean, if you have stud NFL dudes, you're gonna win games that just based on talent. And that's the thing is, I don't I, I don't know. I think Clay Helton is a sucky coach because they're still too talented to have to come from behind to beat Arizona State and Arizona. This is USC, eleven national championships, right in the freaking heart of all the talent in Southern California. I mean, they should be they should be the Alabama of the West Coast year after year after year, but they're not because they hired dummies like Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, and Clay Hilton. If they ever decide to think straight and hire like an Urban Meyer, dude, it's over, bro. The, For the, sure. It is over. And until then, we stand a chance against them every game because their coaching sucks and our coaching is better than theirs right now. So yeah. it's going to be a close game, but I think USC pulls it out based on the fact that we haven't played and everything we rehashed earlier in the show. Yeah. Shout out to Maddox for sponsoring this. And not they didn't give us any money, but they fed Jake here, and he brought the energy. So thank you, Maddox, for yes. that. A dozen rolls, a dozen Maddox rolls, and raspberry butter fueled this show, man. And All a, right. filet mignon. So. In, right, any well, other unofficial that, sponsors we need to go through? No unofficial sponsors. That's it for this show. We're already over right. an hour. We promised to keep it short, but <laughs> here we are. Here we are an hour in. Every week I'm like, ah, oh, we got nothing to talk about. Let's just go on for like ten right, minutes man. here. Well, I guess that's it. All right. Well, my phone just died, so I lost Thanks. Jake. This has never happened before. My phone died on me. I didn't get a warning here, so I am signing off for the both of us. Uh, Till next time, I am Benji, and I am Jake, and we'll talk to you next time on North and Goal.